Welcome to the Past Life Awakening Institute podcast. I'm Mark Beal, a past life regression therapist and trainer. If you're interested in having personal sessions or certification training in any of these modalities, go to my pastlifeawakeninginstitute.com website for details. So thanks for watching and enjoy this episode. Welcome back, Victoria, podcast two. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, good to see you again. So this is Victoria Amador. She's in West Palm Beach, Florida, and, and she does sessions online as well. So she's practicing QHHT, which is an in-person modality, BQH, past life regression. And I've known her as a graduate of my very advanced spirit releasement therapy training course with the Past Life Awakening Institute. So you can find her at the Soul Healing Tribe. And uh, she's also created the Awakening the Healer Within program, which has its own uh, website, which is awakeningthehealerwithintrainingprogram.com. In the last podcast, we talked about spirit releasement therapy. We talked about earthbound spirits, dark force entities, and we had a discussion and we shared our own you know, experiences on how we work with therapeutic issues. And that's the kind of thing, if you're interested in sessions, I really recommend Victoria. She speaks English and Spanish. She's uh, She has a, a diverse uh, range of offerings that can be really helpful for people. So I uh, really recommend uh, looking, following her on all the social medias, checking out her website. And if you're interested in sessions, check those out. Uh, but today, uh, the key is going to be to talk about her other website and her other approach, which is Awakening the Healer Within Training Program. So this is a year-long program. Mm -hmm. And and that's actually going to connect to... Uh, ETs, uh, yeah. extraterrestrials, and channeling, and uh, and uh, we'll get into that later. But it's actually how did Victoria get the inspiration to come up with this, uh, you know, uh, uh, really helpful uh, program? And that's actually another thing. If you go to her website, Awakening the Healer Within Training Program, you can see a lot of the testimonials and the people that have benefited from it. It's amazing. So I should check that out. Uh, so. So that's going to be a part of the key. And we did talk last time, Victoria, about, you know, some of the key uh, teachers that you've had. And you mentioned uh, finding Dolores Cannon, having a dream about her, not knowing who she was, but Googling Dolores Cannon, finding out, oh, okay, she does some stuff mm -hmm. and uh, and getting into QHHT and falling in love with it. Uh, I'm curious, uh, are there any other, besides her, are there any other key books, people or teachers on your spiritual journey that really helped you on the spiritual path? <laughs> I will say my elders, my godmother, my godfather in 21 divisions and the other occult practice that I do practice, spiritual practice, having those connections um, truly have helped me make sure that I don't go crazy, I will say, because it's so much. It can be a lot like, to be receiving information often to be experiencing different type of entities and so on. So, and having a supportive family, how that has been key. How did that work with your elders? Uh, was that, I mean, is that an oral tradition? Are there it books is. or teachings or? The books are new, newer books. Um, there are some books from the 50s, 1950s that have some key information, but not ob obviously not everything. It, both of the traditions that I practice, and I will focus mostly on 21 Divisions because the other one is a secret society. It, there are oral traditions where you don't get any insights unless you're in it. 
So you have to go walk through the door of the initiations to get those insights. Right. Some sacred, secret knowledge. Yeah. And, and so we, we touched on this a little bit in our last uh, podcast, but I'm really curious to dig into this a bit more. So you told us then that you, you know, you saw spirits and you're wondering what was going on and maybe this is a bit crazy or what is this? Did it, at, at what point did you then bring that up to a grandparents, parents, and, and did they identify, okay, what's going on and how, how did that? Yeah, I, around, I think I was between nine and 11 when I mentioned something, but I noticed the reaction and I was like, I need to take it back <laughs> because okay. otherwise they're going to think I'm crazy. Who, who did you mention that to? You know, I, I experienced um, a vision of what was going to happen later to a neighbor. And I saw how he was going to die and everything. And I was screaming. I was, you know, traumatized at that moment seeing that. And I went inside the house and I was screaming, oh, my God, he's going to kill him. He's, and they're thinking she's just sleeping and maybe just didn't really came out of the sleep. <laughs> so. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And then later something, you know, when the person did die and came back from the hospital and obviously he didn't make it. And I went to see him. I I was hit by a force film when I was going to go in the house to see the body because in Dominican Republic, they will bring the body back to the house. Everybody will come and say goodbye. And I was going to go in and something pushed me back a few feet back. And everybody knew like something supernatural happened because it was, I couldn't, fall back that that way that far back and I went into what I call a semi-trance because I had no control but I was seeing things but I it was so intense that I had a high fever and they had to call a curandera a 21 division priestess to come and help me out because you know I was just in a high fever and wasn't responding to anything and my eyes were going crazy so she was able to help um, and that was the first time that they said something something crazy happened and from there I never really say much about anything that I was seeing because I didn't want to be different I just wanted to be normal so 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 that was literally at your household with your parents was it yeah okay and and at that time they could think wow this is just they may not well with the when you were pushed back by spiritual force they could see okay something supernatural is here and even when you're you know if you're just like having a a a reaction they could think oh that's just a child playing up they may not even identify it as a, a spiritual thing and mm -hmm. uh and so and but then they could start to see evidence you know oh she says something's going to happen she's crazy it did happen okay maybe she isn't and so right. and that's, that's how they knew i did see it because i i started saying he's going to kill him his his stomach is open and he got stabbed and uh, by his brother and it was a neighbor a couple of blocks down but I saw it when I was saying goodbye to my grandfather he was going to the farm and I stood there and I saw the whole vision and I saw them going down to the hospital and everything and I went inside screaming because I didn't know what else to do um, but after that incident I learned to whatever I saw I didn't really say this is this is what I'm feeling. This is who I see that is going to transition or anything like that. Try to keep it the most normal that I could. With the exception of some things here and there, nothing major. Like if a ghost will come and give me, like a spirit will come and give me something specific, my grandfather will be like, what did you dream about? And then he will go and play the lotto. And, and, uh, <laughs> so, okay. But that was about it. So, I tried so, to keep it. 
So who was the elder or family member that was most receptive and first identified that you weren't, you know, a kid playing up? My grandfather, he will ask me, did you have any dreams? He noticed that when I will tell him the dreams, sometimes there were numbers there that he could use to play the lotto. So <laughs> he was most receptive to, and he really did have, my grandparents had different gifts that they didn't nurture really. So it was easier for them to believe, but not to the stream. I wouldn't go to the stream because I didn't, I didn't want them. Well, I think I didn't want them to worry and I didn't, I didn't want the idea that I could be crazy. I didn't want that to influence me in any specific way. And it was very depressive. Okay. So were there, uh, besides your parents uh, or your grandparents, were there other elders who then took you under the wing and, and helped? No, until I was older, after I realized I'm doing this, I'm going to take it seriously. I'm going to go through what I need to go through. And then I found um, an elder, she's, 95 years old now it's like can I, can I how old were you when you realized and started taking took it seriously as you said when i started taking it seriously around 33 33 okay so a lot of these childhood experiences you know your 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 parents uh weren't particular they didn't really recognize it your grandfather recognized it but hadn't developed abilities too much and so that's something that it was uh, kept so it was something you recalled as an adult. So this elder at, it was 95. Tell us about them. Uh, her, um, she practiced 21 divisions since she was a teenager. Okay. Um, she went through a similar experience like I did, where she thought that she was going crazy at that time. Nobody, nobody wanted to deal with it because it was streamed for her. Like she was also dealing with dark entities coming and molesting her and causing a lot of crazy situations so even to this day she she looks like she's ready to <laughs> to deal with whatever comes her way at 95 <laughs> so, so she's 95 now is she yeah so she's been practicing for over 70 years okay. I don't know, 80 close to 80 years so can I ask how old you are I am 41 almost 41 41 okay and so, yeah, so we'll call it 40. And so then, uh, so 30, you were 33. So that was seven years ago. So you met her when she was uh, 88. And uh, how did you meet her? No, I knew them from before. Um, okay. When I was going through my first dark night in my 20s, um, I was going through all of that. You know how traumatic it can be. You know, it took me a couple of years to come out of that. And eventually around 33 is when I decided to go through the, what I needed to do to really get a hold of what I was experiencing and dealing with. So it took me like three, four years before I decided to go through any serious initiations. And, you know, it's, it's not a decision that should be taken lightly because a lot of people, that's why I, I discourage a lot of people from waking up and then going into any initiations because it takes time for us to be spiritually mature enough to go through several of the initiations that we have to go through. So it took me a few years, almost close to four, I would say, before I make that decision. Okay, interesting. So, uh, and, and 33, actually, how old you were you when you went to the United States? I think I was 14 or 15. Okay. 
or close to 40, I think. Okay. Okay. So, and at 33, so you, do, you do you go back and forth to the, the Dominican Republic quite a bit? Yeah, all the time. Okay. So uh, how, how many times per year? Oh, well. Once a year or? Yeah, once a year sometimes. Okay, a little yeah. more depending on my schedule, but at least but, once a year I try to go back. Okay, so it's a lot of trips. You never really get disconnected. You're always part of it. And so then you, uh, so had this, uh, the 88 year old, well, the older 88 year old lady. Uh, so you'd known her throughout your whole life? Yeah, she's, um, she is the mother of, of an ex wife of one of my uncles. So she has always been part of the family. Okay. So part of the extended family and had mm -hmm. she like watched your progress as a, as a girl, when these things were happening, did she say things to the family? Like, Oh, I you know it's okay. She's not lying or anything like that. No, I never, I never, we never communicated what? at 21 when, you know, it, it was not something that we really wanted. Well, I didn't want to talk about, so, but you know, when I was sick, I used to see the, my grandfathers would used to take me to a lot of different, curanderos a lot of different shamans priest, priestess because of the bone infection that I had yeah she wasn't one of them that would see me because she didn't um her type of work is a little different than what most people will consider she will do some healing on you and do divination and stuff like that but back then my my grandmother who was the one who raised me with my grandfather, they will take me to different places in the Dominican Republic to those people that were hardcore um, curanderos because I was supposed to die. And she wanted the, the medical, you know, the, the doctors couldn't find a solution to my problem. I had a bone infection. So I went through sev several surgeries and eventually one of the curanderos, what according to my grandmother, was the one who helped me through that okay okay so you mentioned there's a, a maturity process required before getting into those kind of initiations that's sort of interesting though the uh the the elder who ended up at, at 33 uh stepping in and so you said well, i wanted to take it seriously so so what does that mean what what had happened to you at the age of 33 to then like seek her out and connect with her and what was the nature of that you know, your first contact with her well <laughs> It was about not being afraid of what I was going through, um, understanding that it didn't mean that I was going crazy or or that I was open because I was very also worried for what it meant for my family. Like, oh my goodness, these things are coming into my house. They're causing, you know, changes in, in like changing the light, like messing up with electricity leaving door opens, um, sometimes attacking, uh, different entities will come and do some attacks. And I was always worried for the family, like anyone that is energetically connected to you could receive the attack if you're able to defend yourself. They just go further down the line. So I was worried about that. And I, I think for me, it was more about also overcoming the fact that I had a very big perception of most of the people that do this type of work are not in, you know, they're not uh, wealthy financially. So I always saw that as a step backwards. Yeah. So it took me several years to get over that. 
And so what was the kind of process of initiation? Is there uh, teachings that you're given and sort of uh, understandings that you have to pass? Are there, are there rituals and ceremonies? Yeah, what, there, what yeah there are rituals. Um, I cannot talk about those rituals in, in terms of any secrecy, but it's basically like um, being baptized in the Christian church, right? Or Catholic church where you go through the process of the prayers and there is water and, you know, whatever, yep. whatever. With 21 divisions, there are different initiations depending on what point, punto, you're going through and some can be in the mountains, some can be in the river, in the ocean, where, you know. Yeah. And uh, are you given uh, tools like protection tools or techniques on how to deal with entities uh, that, there, that, that come Yeah, the, there are things that were confirmed about what I was receiving, what I should be doing and making sure that I wasn't receiving it from because I, for a long time that also took me time because for a long time like how do, how do I know that this is from the right entity <laughs> so I was very you know I was like very um daffle everything because I didn't want to believe and create any sort of dependency on something that didn't have my highest good so I was very um careful with how I did things and how I proceeded and to the point that sometimes I wouldn't do it for a long time because I didn't want to make the wrong mistake and I didn't want to fall into the trap of what a lot of people do fall into the trap in regards to going into any of the occult practices where they actually open up themselves to dark entities and they don't realize that they're working with the wrong entities until something is really wrong. So I didn't want to put myself through that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's a topic we'll get to later and, and really expand on. I think it's really interesting. Uh, but for now, uh, we're, we're at this place. So you're, you're 33. How actually, how long did that process take of, uh, like being with, did well, you, that, did you spend an expended time in the DR with her? In and out. Um, yeah, it takes time because some of the things that you have to do can take days. Sometimes it can take weeks, yeah. but sometimes you can, the one of the best things that you could do is do one thing, integrate it, and then continue. Yeah. So there is no rush, you know, and, and that's another thing. A lot of people want everything all at once. Yeah. <laughs> they don't so, get to integrate it. Did you take a sabbatical from your life in the United States at that time? No, 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 no. This um last year was the first time that I took time off work. I always being a workaholic, I will go do what I need to do and come back. Nobody yeah. even knew, nobody ever, you know, it's something that you don't do with your family. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't have to integrate the family. So you go do what you need to do and continue. You don't, you don't have to, you don't advertise it. Yeah. You know, a lot of people do, but it's not the right thing to do either. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of uh, interesting points. I want to come back to some of those a bit later but i got a few other things i wanted to ask you first so so that's a, a really good uh and some more information about you know your this life healing journey uh of what got you to be here and pretty interesting and it's really nice that you do have those elders and even if you have some people you know, even being in the culture your parents and grandparents uh, connect to a degree but then you're able to go back at a certain time in your life and find an elder who can really you know uh take it to the full extent uh but and so that's on this life have you recalled your past lives, this being the Past Life Awakening Institute, 
So have you recalled them and can tell us a bit about that and maybe oh how they God. relate, how they relate to this life, for example, and you. Yeah, well, you know, what I can tell you about the past lives is too many of them, um, actually. Yeah. <laughs> too many. Sure. But what I noticed is that the past lives were not only to help release some of the traumas that maybe I was still holding on to, um, but also work with things that I had no idea that I needed to work with. For example, I think one of the things that I even mentioned to you before is the sexual abuse. I've never been sexually abused, but I had so many lives where I was dealing with sexually abusive situations. Uh, one was an Asian looking woman and I saw her, I mean, it was me being sexually molested and going through the suffering of how that felt like I was in that moment. And another one, also another sexual abuse as a woman, uh, white skinned American looking or European looking woman. Another one as a child, maybe around 19 years old, Guatemala looking. And there was a lot of sexual abuse that I dealt with in past lives. And one of the Arturians, when I saw him coming, pulling stuff out of my private area, it was the completion of that process almost like we're completing this now we're sealing this and it doesn't have to affect you anymore because I did always wonder if there was some because when people were telling me stories about their sexual abuse I would just feel it so much that it will affect me I couldn't even listen to the news about it because it will affect me and I had no idea why I never was sexually abused and then after that process it definitely makes sense well, that's great. I was going to, yeah, that, that's a really interesting point for two reasons. Uh, one of which is uh, I work with therapists and, you know, of course, sexual abuse in this life is very common for a lot of people to, yeah. to, to one degree or another. So if you're mm -hmm. a therapist, a hypnotherapist, and you put someone into regression and say, you know, go back to a difficult traumatic time, uh, whether or not it was a presenting issue or not, you're going to have a ton of people go back to uh, sexual abuse times. Yeah. And if you're a hypnotherapist and you haven't been trained in that, or you haven't experienced it, you can very quickly feel out of your depth and go, what am I doing? You know, this is taboo. This is uh, too difficult. Uh, how do I deal with this? Uh, and I can't relate to it. I've got no ability to empathize with it or to understand that it's uh, it's an unknown horror to me. But uh, what I find is that uh, the... And if you go into a number of past lives, it's so common, let's say, you know, one out of 10, one out of uh, five people have some sort of form of sexual abuse. If you recall five lives, you'll recall being sexually abused at some point. <laughs> hence, mm -hmm. hence you do know what it's like. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you become can become matter of fact about it. Right. Because if a therapist, you know, and then you also said, you know, I'd then get triggered. If I, someone brings up sexual abuse, I'd get uncomfortable. I'd feel, I'd get triggered as a therapist, but we want to stay matter of fact and, uh, and just, and, and just process it as we'd process any other trauma. Uh, right. with the calm clarity confidence and peace and if we if someone brings up something and we get triggered and we can't bring those qualities then you know that we're not serving our client as well and we probably need to work on ourselves right you know, exactly. but anything that triggers us and so the fact that you are able to go into your past lives by uh and uh know that you know have an expanded version it's not i've never experienced this so i don't know about it as victoria you know what i have as these other lives Mm -hmm. And and it doesn't uh, negatively trigger me or affect me. 
And, you know, I can still be compassionate and everything, but I don't have to be overly empathetic. I can still just deal with that and be a really effective healer. Uh, and, and, and just even to know that there are some things that, you know, I need to heal some trauma, but it's not from this life, but it is from a past life, but it is affecting me. And then that just makes you a more healed uh, healer overall. So, so mm -hmm. what's the purpose of it? You know, what, what were you in your past life? It's not who were you, where were you? It's like, what emotional residues are there that could be affecting you? And that it, by cleaning them out, it makes you a more healthy, healed, uh, congruent healer. And, and, right. that's, and that's exactly your experience. That's really great. Uh, and then you do bring in, which we're going to get into in depth later, the Arturians did it for you with their ETs, which is a whole other thing. Well, I'll, I'll come back to that as well. So stay tuned, everybody, and we'll get to it. Don't uh, don't skip off yet. There's a cliffhammer. There are fun things coming <laughs> up. But before we get to that, I want to find out about what caused you to take the steps to becoming a professional healer. Uh, and the, the soul healing tribe. So even there, like you're 33, you're, you know, finding out there's some stuff I've got to deal with and take it seriously at 33. And you're looking to the elders and you you find Dolores later. Uh, but uh, yeah, so any other steps, any other healers, any other books, anything that you really connected with that made you think, you know, beyond, you know, healing myself uh, into really uh, work healing with others? Well, you know, between 29 and 30, when I was going through my first dark night and everything came back really strong and all of that happening, I was reading a lot, um, trying to find answers. And I don't remember any specific book, but knowing, going through the process of reading everything that I could find about self-development and, and spirituality in terms of you know, there is balance. And one thing that I knew it was that I needed to have balance because I didn't want to be at the stream of, I am super spiritual and now what? Because I always had that sense of responsibility for, for my family. So before I went through the first set of initiations at 33, for three years, I was already going through a lot of different things, different information coming through, understanding i knew that it was related to 21 divisions and you know and all of that stuff because that came through the dream so the first three years it was more about me figuring out where where do i fit in within this spiritual practice do i fit in do i belong do i can i make a difference can is this the right thing for me and it took me that long to go through that process and there is no books that you can really read about this. It's more dreams, meditation, and doing the work of integrating, understanding, doing a lot of reflection. So those three years before the first set of initiations were key to make sure that I was going through the process of truly being responsible with what I decided to go forward with. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, you know, there, are, there is a limit to books. And, you know, it, that's, it's nice that you can be connected to healers. So that is one thing, you know, people say you don't have to travel to the Himalayas to be enlightened, which is true, but you do want to meet a good teacher. And if they right. live in the Himalayas, then, you know, maybe you should go there. Right. Or, but luckily, a lot of people from, you know, teachers from around the world have gone to places like the United States and they're available in centers. And that that's great. So you don't have to travel into somewhere exotic, but you still do need to find some sort of elder. Uh, people do put things in books. 
But then ultimately, a lot of what those books will say is meditate and and yeah. and, and figure it out through your own inner wisdom. And mm -hmm. one trick can be that people read a hundred books on how to meditate, but you should really read a few of them and then like really meditate, you know? Right. So even for me, like I would read meditation Buddhism and I would think, you know, but I'd make, I'd, as a discipline, you know, you could fall in love with the education and the learning. But I thought for every hour that I read, I have to do an hour's meditation. Otherwise, I'll just happily, met, you know, read about meditating without doing it. Exactly. And, and so meditation has been a big part of your your practice and your you know your own uh, uh, tuning into your own inner wisdom. Yeah, that's the easiest way that I can say it. Thank you for saying it so nicely, but. Mm -hmm. It truly has been because, like I said, with oral traditions, there are no there are some books that you could find some meaning because you had a dream and you saw this, but it's not going to give you everything. You have to go in to meditate, reflect, and get the reason why it's coming. Why is it telling you? Why is it coming? And the only way that I could do that properly was through meditation. Yeah, well, that's another thing I find. You can read the book. And but if you read if you read the book and then really meditate a lot and then you read the book again, you're reading a different book. Right. Because you can read it and not and think that you know what it's talking about consciously. Yeah, maybe. But if you sort of once you, you know, if you meditate and then you come back and you can read it and you really you, you see so much more in it. And that's mm -hmm. one trick. We can we can consciously think that we're clever and that we've understood something at one level. But if you, you come back and you realize, wow. This is yeah. saying a lot. There's a lot more between the lines, but now I can now I can read that part of the book as well. But right. only be, only because I did that work of uh, of sitting and meditating and having sore knees and and thinking about my lunch and being bored. <laughs> but eventually, I got somewhere. So how, so, what kind of meditation practice do you have? It, I used to do different types at the beginning. You know, I was trying to find my own thing, and eventually, it came to me one day, and it was like one intention. And that's it. So that is it. I call it the one intention intention because I could be there for hours, but it's just one clear intention. What kind of intentions do you set? Oh, whatever I'm working on. If right. I need to work on understanding why I'm being triggered by someone, that is the intention for the meditation. Yeah. And it will take me deep. And sometimes it will take me to past lives. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So did, did you ever do formal past life regressions or is it just coming up in meditations or dreams? In meditation, in dreams. Right. Interesting. So Until the last year. Right. There you go. I so, started doing some past life regression. And honestly, one of the things that once we talk about their tourings is sometimes they they will say to me, no, this is not the right way for you. Because for me, dreams and meditation is the key yeah so past life regression is almost like if i if i get stuck a little bit going to a session like that just to get over the home but then everything else comes in the dreams and meditation yeah perfect yeah that's uh that's how how it was for me in a lot of ways as well i've done formal past life regressions but a lot of it has been through my meditations as well and i'll do you know 10 day silent retreats you know, ten 10 hours a day, wake up at 5 a.m., go to bed at, you know, 9 or 10 and day after day and, you know, stuff happens. So have you, have you done uh, that kind of practice as well? Or? No, I was just thinking about that this morning. I was like, I think I need to go because I wanted to, but I never had the time. I was a workaholic. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of time. I'm not, a, I, well, I'm sort of a workaholic and sort of very lazy. <laughs> so I'm, I'm both. <laughs> 
it's uh yeah so but yeah that's uh, it, although those 10 days uh it feels like work for uh you know for part of it uh but it's yeah, right. very interesting so but yeah it's uh and having a daily practice is, is uh you know great as well if you can get there with a daily practice i'm actually quite impressed i always found the daily practice a bit trickier and i need to sort of you know it took me the first few days to zone in and so if you can do that day to day i probably needed the 10 days uh mm. but yeah uh, i'd do that periodically for sometimes and yeah recommend it and so if you're if you do get a time to do it that's fantastic if you're already nailing it you know without that that's great too <laughs> and so that is uh that one of my one of the key things i wanted to talk about in this podcast is uh your awaken the healing within training program and so that is a one-year quantum healing based program to heal traumas activate dna codes and tap into your full potential so I wanted to talk about like what it is first, and then we'll have the, uh, the 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 switch to where it came from, which is pretty fascinating as well. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, ET channeled by Arturians, and uh, yeah. so but we'll get into that. Uh, but but for now, I'll just preface it a little bit. So I notice there's eight quantum healing sessions spread out over time. So they integrate integrate uh, things. You start off. You've got a womb regression session for general healing. So is that kind of also, you know, to the beginning of this life, do you also get into some of some, if needed, some of this life uh, healing issues as a kind of a regression? Yeah. So normally um, it depends on the, on the person because every session is customized depending on what the person needs. And as you know, the higher self is the one in charge. So we only put some description there for the person to understand potentially what they could be working on. Yeah. But in reality, the higher self is the one that says, you know, this is what they need to see. And sometimes that happens all the time where the higher self is just doing what, what they need because this is what the person needs. So the wound regression most of the time tends to be for those that have a lot of issues with mother issues. <laughs> most of the time it's the mother. Okay. okay. So going through the womb um, to start experiencing life and that connection and then going back sometimes the higher self will take them back to the the mother when the mother was younger and going through similar traumas or whatever traumas they were going through so that they can understand the other side the mother or you know if it's the father the father and they're getting the other perspective and understanding it's not because of me <laughs> it's because of them so it is a beautiful healing session um, like I said, most of the people that go through the womb regression is because they have a lot of issues with most of the time with the mother. That's actually interesting. They, the, they say in meditation, you haven't meditated if you haven't wept. And that was actually one of my first experiences. I was on a 10 day meditation retreat. This one, they had teachings and, uh, the guy teaching it is a very idiosyncratic style. And I was, he was a fantastic Tibetan genius, but I was like, not really catching and I'm just going to go and sit in the forest tonight and uh, have my own meditation and which I recalled um, my parents, but their journey and just basically relive their lives from being my parent, you know, being adults that I knew to my, you know, young parents to being adolescents, to being a little boy and a girl and just seeing them both as like innocent little children. And they grew up and met each other and they got married and then they fought and got divorced and broke everyone's heart <laughs> And, but they were just such sweet, innocent little people. And you go and you see the little boy that I was and, the, you know, the traumas we went through through their divorces. 
and uh, but just the the compassion of just seeing that all that is a group system, and mm-hmm. uh, and seeing all of the, uh, yeah, just like really seeing. So it's interesting you're saying you know you she's your mother, but yes, yeah. yeah, she's also a little girl. Yeah, you know she she's a powerful figure who uh, dominates your early life, but she's also uh, you know a person just going through all of her all of her stuff as well, and to, to to separate out them you know they're they're my parents I'm a child they're you know, they're, they're the authorities, they're the adults. Well, that, that's a limited way of sealing it. You mm-hmm. know? And we can get really stuck in this identity of I'm a child and she's my mother. We're, right. She, you know, we're, she's a little girl in a lot of ways too, and we're all just souls. And so... But it's hard to see that when you're going through so much. Oh, sure. Earth, right. It's impossible. So- and that, and that, that's part of the problem. <laughs> Right, <laughs> but 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 to, and to, but to, and to see that you know that that uh, you know an extended version of reality is 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 uh, is pretty healing mm-hmm. in itself. Right? Yeah, is that the kind of thing you find? Right. So when people go through that process, it's almost like they're opening their eyes for the for the first time because it's the first time that they see the mother or the parents as people that are hurt yeah. and that went through a lot of traumas. Exactly. And it's no longer my mother did this because she hates me or she doesn't care for me. She doesn't love me. Yeah. So it changes the perspective of the person so that now we can talk at a more transcending way of, you know, exactly. It's a, mother who wants yeah, to hurt. Exactly. It's not my mother hurt me. It's, uh, you know, she was hurt. They hurt each other. You know, uh, everybody hurt everybody and nobody wanted to, <laughs> you know, if we're here because they, they fell in love and then, you know, a traumatic stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and some of that happens naturally to people as well. You know, a lot of uh, issues with mothers get fixed when people become mothers. Right. right? And so then, you, you, then you're forced to stop being the girl and like you become the mother yourself and people become a lot more understanding of their mother <laughs> and, and, and parenting when they, when they have to do it themselves and find out they're not quite perfect either. Right. Uh, and, and, that, and that's something, but that's something that never happens uh, to some people if they don't have children. And, and it's something that can happen very slowly, you know, like maybe, you know, if you maybe they'll figure that out in 10 years, but if you can have a session, they can figure that out now and carry that wisdom that you might get when you're 35 and you can get it, you know, younger, that's great. And, and, and oftentimes, you know, being that mother doesn't, doesn't solve it completely. And to really do that is, uh, is so important. So, and that's also uh, part another, do you have uh, like any between lines kind of a thing in, uh, in that program? Is that something yeah, there that- is. Uh-huh. Well, it happens naturally sometimes where people go in between lives to, you know, communicate and get deeper answers and see what happens while they're training at another place in time and talking to the elders and so on. So, but it also depends very much so on what the session is about, because we have the eight different sessions. Each session comes with a, you know, every person is going to come with a different thing. Depending on what the person is needed, they might automatically go into that and I'll take them through that process. Yeah, great. And that's part of, you know, that's what happens before the womb regression. You know, you're born into the mother and you see the mother and all of those, you know, she's my mother. But between lives, it's like I'm choosing to be born to that person. That's what happened just before we all agreed that was a good idea. And then trauma happens. So it doesn't right. mean, uh, and so the, it's something that uh, there's, you an, know, there's an intention behind it, like you say, to, to right. figure some stuff out. But what I find, Mark, is that sometimes when the person goes to that 
point when they're choosing, they're neglecting the information. I don't believe this. I wouldn't choose. So we have to go little by little to get them to the point where I chose this. Well, yeah, we, you saw that in the first session, perhaps. And it's only on the third session that you're really believing that you chose this. Exactly. Yeah. Step by step. Yeah. You can't just tell somebody that at the beginning and have them take that on and go, oh, that's okay. Then no, you're absolutely right. It doesn't work like that. It is definitely step by step. And it's an it's an indirect implication that you chose that mother. You, I, I also would not jump in and say, you know, you know, you chose it. So like, absolutely not. You're exactly right. There's, that's why you've got these spaced out sessions. And that's one thing I you know, connect with the, the program that you've got. We've been talking before quite a lot about, you know, spirit releasement therapy, but you know, what I do tend to practice and, and ideally you take people through a journey where they do hypnotherapy on this life or, and then past life regression. So even if someone says, I want to do past life regression, I understand my past life. I'm like, well, do you really understand your this life? Because most people don't. Do you really understand who your mother is? You probably don't. My mother is some, you know, person who hurt me. No, she's not. She's a person who was hurt and everybody hurts everybody. And you know, just understanding really a bit more sophistication, who you are in this life. And even some of those things, you know, like, oh, why am I getting triggered as a healer on this or that? And that's where it's interesting, you know, and it could be, you know, I had some sort of abuse or, you know, some sort of uh, thing that I connect with. But it was interesting for you that you didn't have it in this life, but you did have it in the past life. So mm -hmm. past life regression is another one of those things that lets you extend this perception. You know, my mother isn't, you know, some powerful figure who abused her power and hurt me. She is, you know, the, the this life we can see it, but it can also be in this life, she's my mother. In the past life, I was her mother. And guess yes. what? I wasn't the perfect parent and, and she's got some gripes with me. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and so that's one past lives can really balance things out in another right. way. If, that's also, you know, I'm a daughter, she's the mother. Well, if I have a child, I become the mother and I lose some of this clinging to this, I'm a hurt child which a lot of people, you know, as an identity, they cling to it or they kind of enjoy it in some way or it becomes part of their identity by going to past lives. We can see, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm not just a pain daughter. I was a mother and I was a husband and I was a man and I was a ET and I was a, all of these things. Right. So it really expands people's vision of, you know, what they think their self is and, and away from, you know, uh, and so do you find that as well as past life regression something uh, that, that comes up in the in your Awaken the Healing Within training program? I will say oh, it's a very high percentage because naturally we go, let me give you an example. The quantum healing session, the person comes in, we spend a few hours speaking about their life from childhood to now. And that could take two, three hours, sometimes even more. Yeah. Then we go into the regression session where we actually want to take them to the beginning of where the trauma occurs that they're dealing with, that they're bringing forward for the session. And then eventually, most likely, a lot of people are going to end up in a past life to see it from a different perspective, to understand how that is carrying over for this life now and how it became the same problem at the soul level. And then when the person is going and transitioning from that life, depending on what they're working on, we might take them to the afterlife, right? Talking to the elders and so on. Sometimes they go into the bardo realm where we are actually talking to, you know, different spirits and stuff like that and spirit guides. And eventually after a couple of past lives or however long the between lives took, we might end up in talking to the 
to the what we call the SC, the, the subconscious or the higher self. That could take another hour or so. And then after that, we speak about what they saw, what they experienced, my any anything that I noticed that they, you know, I need to pass on to them. And they give me their hands and so on. So in one session, there is so much happening because first the person is releasing a lot of the traumas just by talking to it. Sometimes a lot of these people, they have been in therapy for 10 years and they have never said to their therapist, I was sexually abused, I was molested, I was physically hurt, I I was homeless, I was this. So it's the first time a lot of the time where they're giving a, a life summary of who they are. And by definition, they just really release a lot of the issues. So when we get into the session, the trans session, the hypnosis part, they're automatically going immediately to the higher self is giving them where they need to go. Is it a childhood? Most of the time is a quick childhood situation going through the womb and then ending up in past lives. So past lives tends to be very common for us. Okay. Can you give some specific examples? Uh, you've got a couple of case studies. There's one that had some SRT involved in. Maybe we could start with that one. But can you, sure. Can, so, and and like maybe it's like starting with the presenting issue, a bit of like the client, what kind of client it was. Mm-hmm. And then, then, yeah. Let me pick my notes because it's a lot of information. These are very long sessions, as I mentioned, sometimes it could be five, six, seven hours or eight. <laughs> so okay. it's a whole day. Yeah. So the SRT session was with a gentleman. He had a beautiful childhood. Everything was normal. His father developed cancer, stomach cancer. And he was around 18, 19 years old at that time when his father developed cancer. And he started doing a lot of um, pills to deal with the migraines that he was getting. And the migraine was coming from this, the stress of knowing that the father was going to transition soon and that his mother and two sisters were going to be his responsibility as the man of the house. So that created a lot of weight on him. He developed a drug addiction, alcohol and porn addiction after his father, during the time that his father was transitioning after he died for a few years. Um, one of the things that he wanted to cut because he overcame the drug and the alcohol and the porn years ago before he came for uh, to be part of the awakening the healer program but he never really got the help to deal with low libido he was dealing with and he thought it was because of his spiritual process of awakening um he was also dealing with restless um leg syndrome uh, again, he thought it was because of the pills, deciding that it is time to address the low libido and the restless issue that he has, where he definitely has to be tapping his, his legs constantly, nonstop. So in the first session, um, we go through the process of understanding. First, dealing with a regular session why he's here, why he wants to work on, why at a spiritual level, um, he will be punished for being spiritual by not being able to satisfy his wife because he's married and he has two kids. So automatically we ended up in SRT because at this point, 
the higher self comes and says, there are things that he did when he was younger that created a misalignment. The first session, I didn't treat it as a SRT session. It was regular quantum healing session, but we ended up doing some SRT in that. There was an entity named Michael. Michael was there because when he was doing porn, he felt very ashamed of himself. Michael was a priest, a Catholic priest, and he wanted to help him not to do the porn. So there was a blockage in the energetic fluid. So he couldn't get satisfied. Mm -hmm. So anyways, um, on that session, he, you know, we're working on Paul and Paul is saying, well, you know, there are other things here that I'm, I didn't leave because after he overcame the porn, because there are other things here that are very mean and they want to cause him harm. So I'm, I'm protecting him. And we find out that he, he definitely has a dark for its entities. And we go through that process on the next session of dealing with that, because on the first session, we couldn't deal with it. It, it, The session went into him seeing past lives as a Catholic priest, (laughs) where at some level, the Michael, the priest felt invited because there was a connection there. So on the second session, we addressed the dark force entities that were there because they wanted, they were causing um, the misalignment when he was doing drugs and alcohol. They got invited at that time. They invited themselves. um, And they were creating such a strong discomfort in the groins area to the point that he just didn't want to deal with it. So he definitely was dealing with it lacking fluids, energetic fluids, so that he couldn't get any satisfaction. But also the pain was so much that that was all that he was thinking about constantly. And the restless leg syndrome situation was also due to the dark force entities that were there because this soul is so elevated. When he started doing that, part of his higher self it's almost like he got detached because he couldn't be around those low vibration things that he was doing. So the detachment and the new entities coming in created a misalignment. And, you know, we had to deal with it. We had to release it. The higher self says there, you know, that due to this misalignment, he couldn't have a full access to his, you know, his higher self. So whenever, and whenever you're doing drugs and alcohol, it's almost like, part of them have to step out in order not to be influenced by those low vibration things that we humans do. So at that point, this restlessness in his legs, is it was just letting him know, not only you have the dark entities, and even though you work on drugs and alcohol and the porn to, re- to move on from that, mm. you still have the entities that you didn't pay attention to that were still there but he couldn't figure out how to get rid of them. So anyways, um, that was very, very interesting because this person is, you know, like he really is very tapped in, um, very spiritual. But one of the things that they explained, we will not punish you for being spiritual. So this, the fact that you think that he was thinking that he was being punished 
it was not because of that. It was because of the entities that were attached to him. When he started doing porn, there was a part of the soul that says, oh, remembering a previous life, you made a, you made a promise never to have sexual intercourse. When you started doing porn, the shamefulness connected to that past life. And that's why we saw the past life as him as being a Catholic priest. Um, he spent, I remember he spent like a week where he couldn't go to work because of the energy moving through his body to get back into alignment was very intense. So, and he was working funny because of the groins, the, the healing in the groins took a lot of, uh, you know, like he was working kind of funny. So he couldn't go to work and, and perform his regular duties for like a week. But the process of him going through the release and all of that eventually comes um, a couple of months later, he goes into a session, he comes for the session and we're talking about how after two and a half, three years of not having any intercourse with, with his wife, he's finally, you know, enjoying that experience. And the fact that he didn't believe in entities was even more mind blowing because this person didn't believe in entities. <laughs> so I always find that fascinating. Um, so his following sessions, I'm not sure if we should go into that because they're, um, you know, this person had eight sessions already. Actually, what about his spiritual path? So, you know, he had uh, low vibrational things and, you know, uh, you know, even in, in a lot of religion, there is a lot of shame around uh, any form of sexuality. And, you know, when you prohibit any sort of sexuality and really suppress it, then that can come out the other side where people sort of uh, go from one extreme to another, absolutely nothing to, to too much and aberrant, you know, abhorrent kind of stuff. Uh, and so what kind of person was he on his spiritual path? So, I mean, it sounds like he's sort of a drug addict porn guy, but I'm sure there's more to it. And was he a spiritually, a spiritually <laughs> seeking sort of awake aware kind of a guy? Right. He overcame that years ago, right. five, six years before finding me. And he went through that process. I think he was doing drugs and alcohol for around five years. During that time that he was really um, doing drugs and, and, and alcohol, it was a period of five years after his father died. In right. one of the sessions, we go into the sessions where the father is explaining to him why he died from stomach cancer, because his father was... The, he didn't have the love that he wanted from his parents. So he always, and they were very strict. So he always felt like it was a duty for the parents to be the parents, but there was no love. There was no nurturing. There was no communication. It was just a father and a mother that are there, but he's not feeling anything for them. So he grew very angry with them. That anger became a cancer and that cancer he overcame that cancer the day that he was transitioning when he understood but what he explained to him is it was my body was too far gone so I had to make a decision and the decision was to go because my body even though I achieved my mission to be different than my parents and to be loving to you guys and all of that I didn't do it quick enough for me to allow the cancer to move out of my body so I had to transition and that was part of his lesson so he's telling him the 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 kid in this case my client who is a grown man but he's telling him I didn't leave you 
because in his mind, he felt you're leaving me and now I'm responsible for my family and I have this weight over my shoulder. The company, they couldn't keep it together because the father was the one that knew everything. And the child, the kid at that age is 19. He runs the company into the ground. So he always felt responsible for that. So, and that's why he's, you know, he continued the drugs and alcohol. He overcame that with medical help, but he couldn't overcome the other things. He couldn't get the help. And the father is saying, I'm, you know, I want you to liberate yourself from the responsibility because it wasn't yours to begin with. And he goes through that process of explaining that to him, which was very healing for him to, to hear that from his father. Yeah, it's such an interesting case because, I mean, porn is such a big part of the world. You know, it's a number, a number one thing on the internet, but it's sort of shadow banned, sort of not sort of there and in our face. Uh, and uh, pornography, you're seeing a lot of traumatized people, essentially, how they get into it. Uh, but to watch porn is not necessarily traumatizing, but it is certainly a fairly low vibrational thing. You're watching people have sex, which, you know, nothing to be too ashamed about or anything. But, you know, it is what it is. You're watching people have sex. Uh, and if uh, your libido is affected in a way that the, the real problem comes when that prevents, you know, yeah, that, to do that and not a particularly big deal. But if it prevents you from being able to have a healthy sex life yourself is when it becomes a real problem. And particularly in this situation, this guy was um, unable to, to men you mentioned, to satisfy his wife. So there's even a desire there to, you know, it's not, it's not out of selfishness, like he wanted to, uh, you know, lovingly, uh, you know, satisfy his wife. And, and rather than, you know, watching people have sex, there is uh, making love. And so that's what you're able to, you're able to transition. And so he was able to, you know, stop the porn addiction. But what you're mentioning, by the time he had this blocked libido, and this earthbound spirit that was preventing him from doing porn, okay, nice idea, but it ended up preventing him from being able to make love to his wife. Right. And this is where earthbound spirits with positive intentions are not, uh, can still be a problem. And so you are able to release that earthbound spirit that was actually counterproductive. And at the end of it, you know, if someone goes through that thing and if they, to be able to make love to your wife and have a healthy relationship and to enjoy it and, to, and, to, and to have that closeness and connection with your soul partner, I mean, that's an enormously valuable result. So that, that's a great thing to happen. So that's an amazing thing that people got by going through your, you know, healing the healer. And there can be some taboos or uncomfortableness around porn or drugs or anything, but, you know, and we may not talk about it, but you know, to have that as an outcome is huge. But also what about him as a spiritual being? Because uh, you know, if he was a priest in the past, and on one hand, being a priest means, you know, you take vows that may be, you know, fairly restrictive and they may end up with sort of a counterbalancing uh, inappropriate behavior later. Uh, but there is also uh, probably a lot of benefits on the spiritual path that he took there. So his love life and his, uh, his relationship uh, benefited tremendously by finding love, but ultimately God is love. And so how was, what was the consequences for his, his spiritual life uh, after the program that you took? Yeah, he, he, um, when he transitioned in that life, um, the vow was revoked to liberate him from having the need to continue forward with that idea of having sex with my wife is wrong. So, and that made a big improvement. The whole sessions, it, it, it was, I think, four sessions before he got to the point where he was able to have that intimacy with his wife and they almost got divorced. So it's, it's a 
I think it's something that is happening with a lot of, I see it with a lot of my clients too, where they are either women and men, it, it doesn't matter who it is, yeah. where they're coming with those issues. And a lot of the times because I'm spiritual, I'm not supposed to. So eventually he overcame that. It, it took him over four months, um, four or five sessions by the time he was able to do that. But it was a combination of quantum healing, right? Past life regression and a combination of SRT, going in between lives to understand why he would choose these things. And, you know, it's not just one, it takes time. The person has to be willing and ready. And this person is very spiritual, but this person is not in any specific spiritual practice. He's just very well tapped in okay. so he's no christian cotton he's nothing he's just he mm -hmm. believes that there is a higher power right okay but at the end so at the end of it his spiritual life benefited a lot as well mm -hmm. okay that's great as well that's a very interesting point you make about you know very spiritual people can often disconnect from the sexual so we've got physical mental emotional spiritual and there's sort of a long way then from spiritual to physical but the tragedy can become if you're not able to make love physically because of some sort of spiritual hesitation, then that can create a, a break in your relationship. And the mm -hmm. person you're making love to is a soul partner and your sole purpose was to live your life with them. And if through conventional financial sexual problems, you break up, that's not, you know, it's the opposite of spirituality. You know, you're, right. you're, you've got to make, be able to make love to your spiritual partner <laughs> In a, in a really loving way and not in a, I saw this on porn, so I'm going to try something out and just, you know, really making love. And because of that, you can have, you know, you can, you can fulfill your destiny and your life purpose of, of being with them. You know, if that's the case, not always the case. Sometimes, you know, uh, people, uh, it's, it's appropriate to separate, but, you know, so, uh, so uh, yeah. How, how else do you see that, that divide or that, that apparent conflict between the spiritual and sexual and how and you resolve that it, is that something you do see uh, a bit? Yeah, it's common, um, especially for those that are really, um, they might have um, different spirit guys that have the tendency to have um, an, an ideology of virginity, um, you know, being alone and so on. And depending on which practice you are, there are different spirit guys that are very well known that they will, they might try to give the person the idea, no, that person is not right, this and so on. And it, a lot of people think, oh, it's because they want me alone and they don't understand. They might be working to remove people that are not within the same uh, frequency as you are, but that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to find the right partner. But a lot of the times is you're not thinking straight. <laughs> this yeah. person is not at the same frequency. Well, that's actually something I do see a lot with earthbound spirits. It may be like I'm protecting this person. No, I'm blocking their libido because they shouldn't watch porn, but you're blocking it from his wife as well. So you, you, you're you acting unskillfully. And then I'm here to protect them from DFEs, but ultimately we do need, they do need to release. Uh, and then and, you know, another another thing that can happen is that you know, there, are, there are certain times as well. You know, so it's uh, a certain uh, sexual bonding experiences and some people can come together at a soul plane where maybe they've both been spiritual practitioners and, you know, they don't need an active sex life and will continue to live, you know, together harmoniously as a as soul couples going forward. So, but uh, as you say, very uh, case by case, mm -hmm. do, do, do you have an, another case of, uh, you know, the, the presenting issue of, you know, why someone would come and take your healing the, 
uh, your, your that uh, that long program. What's another client example you've got of, of what drew them sure. to it and the, the outcomes they got? I, I have another one that I that I think is is a good example for you know anyone. But one thing that I want to make as a disclaimer is a lot of people think the awakening the healer within is just about tapping into the supernatural abilities. And I used to even think that myself, to be honest, when yeah. I received the name and everything. And then they were like, no, it's about healing. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> so we have to heal ourselves, right? Before we can tap into anything and, and start those activations, the DNA activation. So this person came because she wanted to be a healer. But the number of issues that this person had were so many that it took over five sessions just to get to the point where she was actually tapping into true abilities. Um, this woman, um, you know, obviously I'm not going to say her name. She's over 30, uh, I think 32, 33, I don't remember. And she was dealing with a lot of confusion, a feeling always in the way of people, um, dealing with mother issues and father issues, family issues, because um, she doesn't really talk to her siblings either. She has been homeless several times. And in general, the, the whole package was dense, uh, sexual abuse, um, and so many other things. So in the first session, we we deal with the things that she wants to deal with, but the higher self takes her to the Arturians and the Arturians are showing her that she's not alone, that she is so much more than what she really thinks she is in this reality. And that was a very important session for her before we got to the other real work because she had never felt like she belongs in a family unit. She has been homeless. Her mother has been neglectful. Her father has been neglectful. Nobody really has paid attention to this beautiful soul. So the Arturians basically give her a tour of the family in the other side and the work that she's doing, why she was chosen to for this mission, why she needs to overcome these issues, why she needs to go through the process of healing because it's about her loving herself regardless of who loves her and, and regardless of all the neglect and, and all of that. In the second session, um, she goes into a life where she saw herself as half amphibian, half mermaid, and she's, she's a singer. So she's learning the power of the word and why her singing can help others heal and why the things that she says to herself are going to create her reality. It sounds simple, but for her to experience all of that was very impactful because it was one of those first time where she's thinking, I have control over my, my destiny. I can create what I want. And for someone that has been so neglected and never felt like she belongs anywhere, this was a very important session for her. It was on the third session that we actually started dealing with the deep family traumas of neglect and so on. She was feeling unworthy. Like when people would walk towards her, she would move out of the way because she felt like she was in the way. Um, feeling dirty because her mother would always say, you're, you're dirty, you're, you don't clean, you don't do this. And she had a, like this thing where she was becoming one of those people that are I forgot the name, but you know, they're, they're always want to be super clean and move. They might watch the same thing 20 times because I came from the mother. So in this session, in the third session, 
she goes into childhood around four, five years old. She's four years old. She's having a birthday. Before the birthday, she sees when the stepfather, uh, because the mother was not with the father, the stepfather is physically um, hurting the mother and she's confused. This is where the confusion came from. This is the first time that she's actually really confused and don't doesn't understand why the father is hitting the mother. And the little one says, you know, that she's trying to call the police at this age, but she couldn't reach the phone. Back then they had, you know, those phones in the middle of the wall. And she's trying to reach the phone with her little fingers, but she couldn't. So eventually the father, the stepfather leaves and she's wiping the tears out of the mother and wondering if she did something wrong and that's why her mother is hurt. So we take her back to see it again so that she could see that she didn't do something wrong, that this had nothing to do with her. And then in the next um, moment, she goes into around five years old when she's having a birthday and she's outside playing with her cousins and the stepfather and the mother, the stepfather calls her but he calls her like she did something wrong and she's not visible to him. So she's wondering, what did I do wrong? That he's calling me with his tone. And the, the stepfather says, go, in, go into your room and the room is dark. And they said, don't turn on the lights because they wanted to surprise her for the birthday party. But the way they went about it was really wrong. So she created this idea that she had done something wrong. So that was the second major confusion that she experienced. And since then it has been confusion after confusion where she couldn't think clearly because she didn't know how to behave, how people are going to respond to whatever she does. So she tries not to do much, not to create any chaos. Um, in one of those sessions, she goes into a life where she sees her mother um, and she sees her mother asking for a daughter when she was around five years old. And from the uh, uh, let's call it the sky <laughs> from the sky she sees that the little child is asking for a mother and that's when she decides to make the contract to come and be her daughter but she also sees how the mother goes through the ages and she's going through a lot of neglect she's going through a lot of trauma a lot of abuse eventually she marries she finds the partner the father and the family of the father doesn't want her because she's not good enough for the father so they try to um, buy her by saying you know if you have an abortion we will give you this and we will give you that so she sees all of that that she didn't really she heard stories but never experienced what it what it felt to be her mother and she got to experience that and she also goes into a life where she's seen that her father around one year old is trying to drown her in the bathtub when the father is trying to drown her in the bathtub, the grandmother knew kind of something was wrong. So she heard that the child wasn't crying anymore. And she runs to the bathroom and sees the father with the head, pushing the head down. And she realizes that that's where the blockage comes in the throat. Because every time that she's around her father or talking to her father, she feels there is something off. And she had no idea that this ever happened. This is the first time that she's seen that. The Arturians, she's Arturian, the Arturians come to 
heal all of these things and eventually um, the block in the throat is removed basically and she start speaking in as Lumerian and beautiful language and all of that but the most powerful part of the healing is that she's now able to speak to her mother and speak to her father and she no expecting their love but knowing that they had their own traumas and she doesn't have to be triggered anymore. Those triggers are removed to the point where she could decide to stay in a relationship if she wanted to, but not because she has to. And she's not expecting the nice things to come from them. So she doesn't have those triggers. She has grown so much over the course of just those five sessions that it, it really is mind blowing. She has a couple of more sessions to go. Wow, that's amazing. So, uh, so yeah, some very uh, deep stuff that, you know, it's amazing people don't know about it. And uh, to be able to, to, he to heal that before being a healer is, uh, you know, vitally important. So that's great work. And you mentioned a couple of times that, that the Arturians, so this is what I wanted to come to uh, next, which is like, where did the inspiration for this program that you've created come from? And on your website, you say this program was designed and requested by light beings, specifically the Arcturians. Uh, and uh, when the vision of this course occurred, they allowed you to see other beings that are also part of the, the group council. And they called themselves the intergalactic healers. And so the design of this program is 100% channeled before, therefore, the schedule, lectures, discussion themes, and how everything is to be done will be done as requested by the intergalactic healers council members so that's that's how you that's how you say it on the, the website and uh fascinating so can you tell us a bit more about that yeah so i was taking time off from the restaurant i've been channeling the first time that i started seeing the i call i used to call them aliens because i'm like later is when i'm like oh they're light beings <laughs> Yeah. I used to call them aliens. Yeah. Uh, first interactions I remember was two, three years after I went through my first set of beautiful initiations. And they came to tell me, you know, everything you're doing is not real. And I was like, what? <laughs> so <laughs> it was very disturbing. Wow. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, it took me off track. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, what do you, you know? And then I started that dialogue. Who, who are you? Why are you coming? So and so. And what they were telling me, which is something that maybe I don't think a lot of people are ready to know or understand maybe because I wasn't ready, is that what they were telling me is that most of the spirits that we work with are light beings, are yeah, light beings. Can I, can I add, like, what did, what did they mean? Like, what were you doing that wasn't real? Well, they're, they're, the mysteries that we work with in 21 Division, they're mysteries. They're, you know, cosmic life force of the wind, the water, whatever, right? But the way that I was seeing it is what they were clarifying for me that wasn't real. I had to see it from a different point of view instead of believing everything that I was hearing from whoever, you know, because when you're looking for information and you're receiving so much, you know, you might go a little too far. And I think that that was their warning to me. And 
Okay. It, it was mostly about understanding that the, the, the power behind the ministries come from what they do within this planet, but a lot of the spirits, a lot of those entities are also obviously coming from other, you know, constellation and so on. So that, and I took them seriously because I always wonder, am I making this up? <laughs> so I think that's why they came with a message to, to call my attention. And it started back then, but when I started channeling the Arturians, I think it was 2019, that is, if I had to give it a, a year, I don't remember. It's been a few years and they, they will come with very specific information about things that I needed to work on or things that I needed to know to better understand something that I was dealing with. So last year when I took the time off um, is when they asked me to do this. And I didn't want to because I knew it was going to be a time commitment. And I didn't know if I was going to go back and start the restaurant again. So they asked me to do it. I put it on hold. I'm like, I'm not dealing with that. I cannot commit myself to that. You know, obviously you have free will. You can decide not to do it or do something that anyone asks you. So then I took them a little seriously when they started um, showing me what will happen to the people that will come for the, for the program. And that's when it clicked with me. Like, oh, so you mean it's actually something important that it would be nice for me to experience, to see how other people go through their healing process. And that's when I started taking them a little more serious about, about the program specifically, because they specifically requested a full year, which is a very long time. A lot of people want things quickly. And, you know, as a business person, I know that. So my, my hesitation was about the time frame. A lot of people say that they're ready to heal, but they're not ready to commit to a full year. And they want they want the abilities tomorrow. <laughs> they spent 30 years or 40 years or 50 years. Some of my clients are 60 years and they want the abilities tomorrow, but for 60 years, they didn't have anything. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Yep, that makes sense. So uh, just going back a little bit, 2019, what was your first contact? Did you like reach out to them in meditation? Was it like Dolores where it just popped into your head out of nowhere? How did you? No, no. Um, I was having a dream and I woke up and I'm seeing this entity and I'm communicating with this entity and, you know, felt very familiar. Like I wasn't afraid of anything. And the entity is just telling me, um, you have it wrong, you know, like this is what you need to do. And she wrote a few pages of things. And I don't have those pages. I don't know where they are, <laughs> but she wrote for me. I, I fell asleep. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm going back to bed. <laughs> and that was my first contact. Okay. And how did it progress? I mean, it's almost, it's interesting, actually. You said, you know, when I, you were 33, I sort of, uh, I had a, I started taking it seriously what my elder said, and she's, uh, she's now 95. So I guess, do you see these guys as kind of like disembodied elders uh, who've, who've stepped in for this next phase? Yeah. Um, they have so much wisdom and, and like 
their energy when I, and I think that's why I, I have been a little more serious today because I can feel it, you know, like no matter how much I want to be fun and nice and, you know, smiling, it just feels like serious. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, I understand. And that's how they feel to me, like very serious, very um, like pure love, pure, but no, a lot of emotions, um, like they have mastered their emotions, so they don't have to, I don't know how to explain it, like they, they, they're just masters at what they do, so, you know, I didn't know, uh, they told me, okay, you, you, this is who you are, and they even gave me information from my uncle, and my uncle is like, oh my god, that makes sense to me, <laughs> so, you know, this is an old yeah. guy, <laughs> and he's like, yes, I am Arcturian, <laughs> So how would you de define what Actorians are? There are a few things on the internet here and there, but how would you define it? There are some qualities you mentioned there. Are there any other definitions or any other specific knowledge that they, that they gave you about themselves or are they more interested in you know, giving you teachings and, the, and, the, and the, you know, the, the things to help therapies? Yeah, it's mostly, I don't really ask about show me where you are or anything like that. Um, sometimes they have taken me, allow me to see some of those things, but not because I'm asking. Um, they mostly are available for the sessions that I do to call for assistance. And sometimes when the person is doing their session and they're like, my higher self is not communicate, I cannot merge, I cannot, then I call on their Turians and I know they will do what they need to do. Okay. That's that's my um that's my little trick <laughs> okay nice so 2000 so you didn't you didn't like read about them and seek them out no they they just came to you kind of what in a dream while you were sleeping uh some automatic writing they didn't really they don't really get into too much about oh we're from this constellation and and do they even mention any of their missions about like what what's their purpose and like seeking you out and why you're chosen and what they're trying to do on mm -hmm. earth why they're getting involved with us yeah well what i understand for what i have learned from them is number one um that's why even when i was going through my first dark night i was going through the akashi records and all of that because i had access to that that's what they explained it, it, it didn't happen by by coincidence it was you know pretty well detailed <laughs> that you have access because you're one of one of them and they will explain that throughout the, the evolution of the planet, they had um, so, sort of like a unit that came here from Arturus that started the, like the seeding process. There was something that happened that created um, the there is a fluid on the earth, like an energetic fluid on the earth that created, there was something that hit the planet that created a fluid on the earth that created the ability for people to be like um, easily seduced by things that they shouldn't do. And that didn't happen because of them. That happened because there was an interference from outside. They, one well, of the so who, 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 what, what kind of outside interference was that? Is that some other ETs or yes. okay. negative, negative entities? Okay. Um, ETs that created the interference that remain around the planet. 
And that's yeah. why people are easily seduced to do things that they shouldn't be doing because originally that wasn't that wasn't the case. Sure. Did they mention a kind a name or a designation for those? No, I think that they um I'm a little hesitant to say because sure. because I don't want people to think all of them are the same. Yeah. But what they indicated is that there was an alien reptilian race that created this disturbance. That doesn't mean all the reptilians are bad people, are bad beings. Yeah. I just want that to be clear. Okay, but that that is something that was spoken like have you had you read about that prior or are you just that that's no. just what they told you. Okay, yeah. I, I did learn about it later. Um, yeah. You know, like I was like, is this true? Can I find evidence of this? You know, because a lot of the things that, that are communicated, I honestly don't know about it. Like I don't go looking for that information. So later I might find something that confirms the information, you know? Yeah. Interesting. I, I don't go down too much of this as well i find that a lot of uh you know getting to the real so i'm slightly hesitant you're hesitant to reply i'm hesitant to ask you partly because a lot of the real specifics can be a bit of a wormhole you know that you can go down into and get really tangled up in the details i think the interesting thing is you know they've just said look you know what you're doing you know uh you're ready for the next phase you can start doing it this way uh we're going to give you the outline and the structure of the program that you should take people over and it and it's one year i think that's great and very wise thing to do and if you need some help in sessions reach out to us and then they're even getting involved and as you say you know removing some of the stuff for yourself from uh, you know sexual abuse yeah. trauma from past lives moving remove you know helping with removing you know these uh, uh earthbound spirits like that priest and one of your your guys so so yeah being being and that's a, a to me that's a, an indication of a uh, you know a good being which is one that's not all about itself and, and it's all the details. It's about just cutting to the chase and, and help getting to therapeutic resolutions for those that need it. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a really good sign of like ETs that are useful to communicate with and, and are fine and you're not going to have issues. But as you mentioned, like there are a lot of entities around there. And so this is just one thing. So I'll just have a little rant or a talk just to preface this. So people... And so even for people like maybe if you're a hypnotherapist listening to this and like, well, past life regression therapy is about as weird as I want to get. Now we're talking about aliens, like, come on, this is crazy, you know? And so, so if you're a hypnotherapist or a past life therapist, you will meet sooner or later, probably if you've got any you know inclination or karmic thing to connect with it, people who have ET experiences. Yeah. So I'll just give you just a little list of the kind of experiences that I have as a therapist and that I'd expect my students or people that watch this channel and do this spiritual regression. This is the kind of thing that will happen. So in terms of ETs, the first thing is if you do past life regression, you can regress people and they will be on other planets. They'll yeah. just, they'll straight up be ETs themselves. And so that's the, that's the first level of ETs is like you were one, you know, but all you had a past life on another planet. And and uh, and then you can get into the details of you know what that planet was and the names and, uh, and whoever. But you know it's often you you can then get advice. For example, it becomes then like a between lives regression. So for mm-hmm. example, in one of these times, they didn't regress to a planet; they actually regressed to being on a ship. And they're yeah. on that, and they're on the ship, and they were saying we're choosing, you know. And so the person was just about to leave being an alien or an ET and be incarnated on Earth. 
And so, the, and they made a decision, like, you know, one of us has to incarnate on earth and it's you and that person volunteered, just like this whole, I'm volunteering to, you know, to be this, go to that mother, even though she's going to traumatize me. Guess what? Everyone gets a bit traumatized. Uh, and so these ones as well. That, and so it becomes a bit like a between lives regression session. And, uh, and so our clients can actually be ETs. And then mm. the other time that I find uh, ETs is that I tend, you know, we, a lot of what we talked about in the last podcast was earthbound spirits and dark force entities that are attached to clients. So in that context, you know, where there's one, there's many, there's one EB, there's some other EBs probably. And then there's those EBs, if they're harder to get rid of, they've got DFEs attached to them. And then while I'm going through doing attachment for people who are presenting issues of I've got attachments that are affecting me, one of those attachments can be an ET. Mm -hmm. And those ETs can be people with positive intentions like the Catholic priest, uh, but they, those intentions are now unskillful, forgotten, clouded, not necessary, so you can release them. There can be information, and but they've got a positive intention. There can be information gatherers that have got a neutral thing. So you can right. find ET devices that are there monitoring. Uh, do they still need a lot of those projects, those experiments ended millennia ago, but they never told the, the ET technician and you can just take it off. And then sometimes you can have ETs that are disrupting and that have a negative influence. So we've talked about two types of ETs, one that are really helping Arturians and some that are not, you know, as some, some form of reptilian. And, uh, and they may, they may not even, they also may be non-emotional. They're, they're harmful, but they're not really trying to harm. They just don't care either way. And if you're hurting the person, they just don't care. And they, and sometimes they can even have negative influences. But remember, all of this is in the context of me being a really a person who only wants to do therapy and has, and has got people who've started coming to release earthbounds and DFEs. And then ETs happen to be there in the, you know, as, a, as a, a sort of a third thing. So this is very different from somebody who is uh, doesn't have any presenting problems in terms of attachments and then starts meditating and gets an ET coming through. So the kind of ET, ETs that I deal with are really as a therapist, really to help people with problems. And the kind of ETs about channeling them where there's nothing going on, I just want to get some information. That's not just not my wheelhouse. It's not something I'd, I, I do. But it's something a lot of people do do. And, and get a lot of benefit from. So I know ETs are a bigger thing in the QHHT community, mm -hmm. and uh, but not so much in the past life regression community. But then, and, but there are people that get really interested in it. But for me, it's a side project. I'd always come back to the therapy that I'm doing. But I think it's really interesting for people to see people like Victoria, who have gone through the traditions of Dominican Republic and been initiated, and they can see that there are difficulties that can arise by doing those kind of practices, but they know how to get out of them. And so one metaphor for me is that, you know, if you get involved in the occult, if you get involved in channeling ETs, it's very safe for some people and it's it's dangerous for others. I agree. And, and, and my metaphor is like, if you've got a motorcycle, if you're a, a skillful, well-trained motorcyclist who knows when to ride and how to ride motorcycles uh, aren't, aren't particularly dangerous. If you're a naive person with no training who's 18 and you've got a crotch rocket, they're extremely dangerous. <laughs> like you should not be on them. Absolutely. That, even my dad came to visit me in India and I've got a you know motorcycle that I know how to, I've, you know, I've ridden motorcycles my whole life and I know those streets. He hadn't ridden a motorcycle for 20 years and he didn't know what he was doing. Super dangerous. And then he tried to follow me and do what I did. 
like do not do that <laughs> just because i did it doesn't mean you can you know but if someone is skilled then they can follow me if they're not they really shouldn't and uh so how, how does that metaphor and those some of those distinctions sit with you what do you think no i agree i think a lot of people um navigate very dark waters without knowing and that's why it took me time to go through some of these things because i didn't want to rush into anything you know i i might be very spiritual but i have common sense so yeah. you know making sure that we make that we're spiritually mature to go into some of these things is crucial because a lot of the time people might be channeling something that they don't even know and they think oh it's of the light and they don't realize what they're doing yeah and a lot of people seek things out because it's interesting or they're curious or they read about it on the internet what i love here is you never sought them out and you never read all this stuff on the internet or a book it all happened to you it was they reached out to you and then just like what we're saying even with books like you meditate and then you read the book and you understand it not you read the book and then tell people that what you've understood which is not much but, but without experiencing it and so i yeah. think that there's some really key distinctions so as fascinating and as amazing as this stuff is uh one you know i just noticed victoria's story you know she's not doing it because she thinks it's super cool and interesting and she wants to be special she's doing it because they came at her and and like insulted her slightly or said hey we're going to take you to this new thing and you don't know what it, and and so they really chose the time so if it finds you cool if you're really stretching to find it, you know, maybe, maybe don't, maybe be patient. Maybe if it's going right. to come, it'll come. If not, you know, why, what, what are you really looking for? You know? Right. Right. That's a, one of the main things that they have. They have indicated in most of the sessions, patience, patience is key. <laughs> I love it. Patient, patience and persistence is, uh, that's why for particularly part, uh, spirit releasement therapy, it's, uh, uh, yeah, a, a, tri a, a big keep. Uh, so that's great. So yeah, so tell us a bit more about uh, you know, the the method of channeling you do. Is it we talked about meditation before, and your you know your inner wisdom? Is that something that now you're in a regular contact with them? You know, I I did while I was channeling information for the awakening the healer within the video programs. The things that they wanted me to address, very specific things. Um, they will give me the concepts and the song information, and then they will say, okay, now look for this. So that's what I did. But once I finish with that program, it's not something that I do every day. It has to be something that there is a message. I need to get that message or uh, very intentional. It's not an everyday thing where I just want to communicate today. And, you know, to me, it's a little more sacred than just channeling because I want to feel like I can do it. Yeah. It's more about receiving the information that I need for whatever I need. And when I have a client that is coming with very interesting situations, sometimes I see that before they come and it's like, oh, that's what that was about. But it's not because I'm so like, I don't know. I'm not just, I'm not so hungry for whatever. There is so much, <laughs> there is yeah. so much information. Yeah. You know, like uh, when does it end? You know, one time they showed me the, um, uh, you know, uh, beginning of uh, the earth creation of one of the cycles and one of the timelines. And I'm like, how many timelines? I don't care anymore. Like, it is what it is. I'm pretty much the same. That's that's funny. And uh, yeah, I like, uh, I think people that get into it and I do work with people that do channeling 
and some of it is fine and some of it they're really causing themselves problems and i just like look at what's your motivation intention and this is where you have to be like really kind of brutally honest with yourself if there is if you're a bit lonely don't get into channeling you know like if there's an emptiness or a neediness in you even if there's an excess of curiosity going down the wormhole wanting to know everything i think this attitude of there's so much information and i sort of you know don't really care to go too much into it is is good uh well i I wasn't like that always there was a period where i was like i want as much as information as i can and then i was like it's never going to end so i need to take a chill pill (laughs) well that's a good point and i can sit here as a you know 25 year veteran of this kind of stuff but you know that's a great point as in our younger days and for for people on the path uh they're naturally not going to listen to that and will out of you know have this great need to learn as much as they can and that's fine but it is a little bit like make sure you know there are there are make sure you're not too bold or too naive so that the benefits of youth is you have that real quest uh hunger for knowledge and you want to know everything about everything right now straight away and you know that's great but don't don't let the naivety get you into uh you know uh, uh get you into waters that are beyond your ability uh or that are not necessary uh, and I think there's a lot of self-protective mechanisms, but if people really push through, they can get into, into trickier waters. So is that something you notice? And is that something you actually coach people through? Were they, you know, they're wanting to awaken the healer within? And like you said, they're really wanting to, you know, acquire powers like straight away. And then you have yeah. to, uh, to, to, cause it's like, I want to know everything versus wisdom and, mm-hmm. and, and wisdom is knowing that you don't know everything and that you couldn't possibly, and that the, the quest for infinite knowledge is is not ultimately wise so is that is yeah. that something that you, you have to work through with people or yeah a lot of the time like i said a lot of people think that the the program is just about awakening those abilities and then i have to take them step by step this is why if we if we are rushing through the process what will happen is that we I'll give you an example. The, the second spiritual practice that I, I cannot mention the name is a secret um, society. It's a secret ancestral magical society uh, lineage. And you have to be so advanced that no everybody can make it because you have to be advanced. If I wanted to do that before, I, I was welcome, but I didn't feel I was ready. Yeah. I, it would have been a disaster because... I was going to get things that I shouldn't be playing with. It's like playing with fire when you're three years old. Yeah. So I do find that a lot of the people that come that want to be part of the program, sometimes I have to say no because they're too far gone to the point where they're just so obsessive yeah. about abilities and this and that. And they want to know, they want to be in every single spiritual practice out there and they don't understand that it, it's actually... Um, it, it can prevent some healing to happen because they're all over the place. I have some people that are doing so many different programs and they want to be part of this too. And I'm like, you know, I, it's just not going to work because you have to have the time to work through your traumas. And if you have 20 things going on, where are you going to find the time to work through that? Where are you going to find the time to sit down and reflect and contemplate about the things that you need to in order to get ready for your sessions yeah so that's great yeah i I resonate that with with that completely and that reminds me of one thing the buddha said 
which was he was in the forest and he picked up a, a handful of leaves and he said, this is how much I've told you. And all the other leaves in the, this entire forest is what I do know, but haven't told you. And, and, and like, you don't need to know. Uh, and so, and another part of that is people would go to the Buddha and they'd ask him questions. You know, how many dimensions are there? Are there uh, ETs? Uh, and, you know, why are we here? Is there a God? And, and the Buddha created a list of, you know, I can't remember how many it was, you know, a, a long list of questions that you should not ask. That are, that are pointless questions that have no real answer or, or the answer would be, it, it'll take you a million years to answer them, you know, right. and, and you just don't need to know. The, yeah. the, the And, and the, the real answer is, you know, you're suffering. Uh, you've been shot by this poison arrow of your misperceptions, your desires and uh, unknowing. We've got to take that out and, and heal it. And the rest of it is, is, is really just getting in your way. And that's exactly what you've said in a way as well. And to me, that's, you know, that's very wise. So for trying to fulfill people's, you know, quest for knowledge about, you know, and answer questions that don't need that the best answer to a lot of questions is you don't need to be asking that question, you know. Yeah, I, 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 one of the things that in in a translation, the Arturians show me this wave like this, and in the center, they put my younger Arturian self in it, and they said this is when you find that everything else doesn't matter when you're writing this middle poem. Then they show me the part where as a younger Arturian, I, I think it was seven dimension and somehow it moved to a higher dimension. And then it was like, now what? So then I had to start all over again and get to that middle point. And I was like, oh my God. So it doesn't end ever. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and i think that's when i got my chill pill take a chill pill <laughs> right yeah and yeah so the, and that process does have to happen so but yeah so so say that again was that you when you were younger Art arturian does that mean you they told you or you regressed to remembering having been incarnated as an arturian in the past they, they regressed me to a point where i was i was actually um in a seven dimension body yeah you know through the process of evolution i went into a higher dimension and then as a higher dimension being i was making decisions that were very very in you know like important and then at that point i remember feeling the feeling of now what like this this was what i wanted now what like that's what i wanted to experience and now when i got to experience that it's like now what and then they took me back to that it looked like a DNA strand, but it was very wavy. And in the center, they put the light body of me and they said, this is where you find peace. And since then it's been like, okay, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I don't need to know everything anymore. <laughs> and so is that, does, are you saying that you had, you had been uh, an Arturian in the past? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, and is that something, did you ask them like, you know, I'm Victoria in 2019, you know, why are you, con why are you connecting me? I'm trying to have a nap. And did, did they then also tell you like, you know, we're connecting to you for this reason. You've got a mission. Uh, you agreed to be part of this. You'd set this as an intention when you were one of us. And now we're connecting to you. So, you know, that's, do they give you some of that explanation? So they, there wasn't such a long explanation. There was <laughs> a very little explanation. And it was like, I know who these beings are. It was very familiar. 
Right. Um, they were teaching me things that I needed to learn to take it a step further, what I was already working on. Yeah. Because um, when, when they started coming, I was already very advanced with removing entities, doing work that was very advanced for someone that was only in it for seven years, right? Um, and I, I was asking myself, what, like, where is this coming from in regards to how do I, what do I do with this? Like, you know, I don't I have businesses, you know, I was con contemplating life, like, do I go full time? Do I stay? And I was contemplating a lot of things. So they started coming um, so that I could see them because in the dreams, I will have a lot of experiences. But it was in 2019 when I started seeing them more with my eyes, like, the, you know, being able to have that interaction. So it was a process of getting to the point where they wanted me to be a physical being here bringing in their energy to work with people that are ready to receive their energy, which is why a lot of the clients, a lot of my clients will receive the assistance from the Arturians, even though they're not necessarily Arturians. A lot of people that come may be from Maya, Pleiadians, whatever. And if for whatever reason, the higher self says it's okay to bring in the Arturians, we bring in the Arturians and they will work with them to do whatever they need to do because they have a very high technology. I have seen the technology and I have received help from their technology. And when I mean very powerful technology, it's like mind-blowing. <laughs> right. Well, that's actually my next question. Do you find that some of your Awakening the Healer Within program clients uh, are they are Arturians themselves or they have uh, they've been so, born in, in past lives as ETs? Yeah, well, obviously, most of them Mostly. have had ET lives. Yeah, you know, like, sure, we can count how many. Okay, <laughs> only, only one session. <laughs> do you, Do you find any of them have uh, spirit attach? Well, how many of them have spirit attachments as a percentage? Would you say for the Awakening the Healer program? Yeah, it's not extremely high compared to yeah, um, you know, like. Uh, I think because you said 70% for your, you know, normal clients before. Yeah. And that's my feeling. These ones would be less. Is that it is less? Um, but I will say a percentage of them do have attachment. I'll give you an example. I have a new person in the program. She's on her third session. In this in the second session, we started dealing with SRT. And in the third session, we had to do another SRT session okay. before her quantum healing session. And are these and earthbounds and dark forces? Both. Okay. Now, do you get many ET attachments like devices or any ET att attachments that, sh that preferably shouldn't be there? Do you find that much? We do. We do find quite a few attachments. Yeah. But this is the thing. Yeah. A lot of those attachments are not there. I'll give you an example. A lot of those attachments are there because at one point the, the person needed to be monitored to make sure that the person will go and do what it needs to do. 
and those attachments will create i have someone he is um my goodness this guy is amazing he's coming into his spirituality now in this physical body now but he's wow and he had an attachment in the back because they were worried his assignment was so big that they had to put a an implant there to make sure that they would always knew where he was in case he needed their assistance so they said he doesn't need it anymore he's finally got it yeah so they removed the implant he hasn't have any back discomfort you know right. like he can work out and feel the back problem and that was coming from the implant i had another person that had an implant in the eyes and she will even see like a red cone and things and it was because she needed to be monitored all the time. They said, no, we're not going to take it out yet because she's, she still doesn't get it. She still is not there yet. But then I have other implants that were there for not the highest good of the person that needed to be removed. Yeah. So in the work that I do, which is I, I acknowledge very much that it's a subjective experience and I'm really a therapist who helps people with earthbound spirits, dark forces, past lives. Hence, most of all, almost all of the ET devices that I see, just like all the other things, Nick can be removed. No, no hesitation in removing every single. There's no excuse for an earthbound spirit; they can all be removed. DFEs, every single one can be removed, uh, and that's sort of the, the 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 basis I bring. Hence, when I see ET attachments, ninety nine percent of them can and should be removed. And and uh, so, but. And I can understand if you're not doing ET, uh, DFE, EB releasement work, you could be working with people doing hypnosis sessions, finding an ET attachment, and it's okay. But it's really my subjective background that means most of the time it isn't. And it's either because there can be some DFE influence that's my wheelhouse and not somebody else's, and then they have attachments there, and they can influence the ETs. But the other part is what you're saying is that there was an attachment that did make sense, but now it doesn't. Hence, right. you can remove it. And so I find that, you know, it's not malicious. It was there for, for a good reason, but it doesn't mean it just has to stay there. And what you're saying, like back pain, eye vision, they're impairing people in their this life in the moment. And there's a therapeutic resolution you can do, which is less to release it. Uh, and then, and the, the idea that, uh, and, and it, but it, you know, it may be 99% is too much, but it can happen. You know, I have, well, put it this way, I have seen some instances, whether it's a few people who've got devices where they really want to have it on them and everyone agrees that it's an okay idea and that it's not having a detrimental effect. But my feeling is in like the QHH2 world, that kind of thing, they'll see like, you know, 90% they're positive and only 10% are oh, they're sort of not needed anymore. They're obsolete. But for me, it's really most of the time they're not, but occasionally it's sort of okay to be on it. So that's one little thing people would say to me from QHHT. Why are you going around releasing these ET devices? They're good. I'm like, well, it's a little bit, some of the time, maybe, but most of the time not. But that's also my perspective. Because if you're doing a QHHT session, you're not doing it, uh, you know, with the presenting issue that they've bought your spirit release. You're going, you're, you're, which is a, so you're the, the, the setup that I have and the setup they have is completely different. Hence the statistics and the things they find will be completely different. You know, mm -hmm. they're 90% one way, I'm 90% the other way. But you right. can see why. So, so it doesn't, there's no real conflict there. There's no real disagreement. It's just just the uh, the setup. Does that make sense? What do you think about that? Yeah, and I think a lot of the times the implants may be there from the ETs to do. So, you know, I had a client. She 
she really thought that ETs were like, oh my God, they're there to hurt me. And then she goes into the session and sees, and they take her, they take her to a room, they show her what they did and everything. And she's like, oh my God, they saved my life because they had to upgrade her DNA because when she was born, the doctors gave her medicine that was causing issues with her DNA. And they had to take her when she was a child and do work to replace that medicine that was in her, that changed her DNA. So they gave her different DNA structure, and but she was traumatized because she thought they're gonna kill me. I'm in a surgery room. Yeah. Then she gets to see it from a different perspective and she sees, oh my God, these people are actually here to help me. And they're part of my cosmic family and so on. But sometimes um, those ETs are not there to help you. I had a client where he ended up in a planet that was um, very dark, very, I mean, I, it was extremely to the point. This guy doesn't believe in ETs. He doesn't believe in spirits. You know, he did the session because he was dealing with business challenges. And he was so surprised when he ended up in this planet where he saw part of um, himself as an alien being, a little tiny little alien being like four feet tall with a lot of other, but they didn't have any emotions. They were um, giving energy to a big machine and his soul was taken. So the soul of this person is taken when he sees all of this, he starts freaking out. He's like, I don't believe this, but it's happening. And, you know, he's going through all the emotions that you can think of. His body's vibrating at a hundred speed, you know? And I'm like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> a version of his higher um, self from the future comes to tell him it's okay. Because if you unplug this machine, all of these people in this planet are going to die. But it's not you who's going to die. And he had to go through the process of understanding that to agree to unplug from this machine. And he's like, I cannot believe this made such a big deal in this physical body here now. But, it, you know, it happens. Yeah, that's great. Uh, interesting points there. The e people are recalling being on an ET operating table and going well, freaking out a little bit. I've, I, that's come up in my sessions. And I think that's probably fairly common, uh, yeah. but, you know, th and so that's the kind of thing where also people might have a past life fragment and oh, I'm getting killed. And it's like, oh, I've got to come out of this. And they sort of freak out. But what I, and this is what we can do. We can regress people and say, okay, you're on the operating table. Someone's doing this. What happens next? And what are they saying? And what are they thinking? And, it, and then you build up that situation. You gather the narrative and you realize, oh, it's all, it's all fine. So for yeah. and so that's one that's one powerful reason for regression. So yeah, fascinating discussion, Victoria. I feel like we could talk for hours and hours more, and there's so many questions and stuff. But uh, for now, that's uh, it's a great session, a great chat. So no, I I think we we spoke about a lot of things. Um, you know, I think if anything, I think from this session, I think uh, for those people that are into any of the secret or the occult, a spiritual practice, or anything that is out of their comfort zone to make sure that they take the time to um, grow spiritually before they walk through those doors. Um, these are very beautiful, very be like the information and the, the wisdom that we get from them is 
to the next level. But not everyone has to go through initiations to believe in something or start meditating and getting what they need from it. It's only some people that are supposed to walk through those doors are supposed to be those ones that are really wanting to to practice and, and practice for others. You know, before it was certain people were picked out of the tribes. Now everybody wants to be <laughs> in the tribe. And so I think um, being more responsible is key, you know, being patient and we, we can have everything we need if we meditate. We don't have to, you know, I'm not here to advertise 21 Divisions or IFA or anything else, you know. My biggest um, advertising is meditate. That is my biggest advertising. Oh, that's <laughs> great. That's great. I was going to ask you, you answered a question I, went, I was just about to ask, you know, what are your messages to people that want to be healing and or healers? I think that's really wise. Uh, I really hope. Yeah, meditate. <laughs> that's great. If if you're on this healing path, you know, just do what you need to do each day, follow your life purpose. And before you know it, you'll be there. But also know that uh, there is a price to be paid <laughs> and, yeah. a, and, a, and a cost and a dedication and, and spiritual I mean, spirituality is a spiritual discipline. Absolutely. And, it, and disciplines, you know, disciple comes from discipline. So, and being a disciple of this, it's really a lot of, it's not like the freedom to know everything. There's a lot of discipline that you have to follow. And a lot of people, if you really realize how much discipline was involved, maybe you wouldn't want to know right. about it, you know? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, take the time because you have to dedicate time every single day. I have to go into a process of meditation and doing other things every single day to be responsible. So yeah. if you go, you know, people have a problem and they want to jump into one of the spiritual practices because that's going to solve the problem. And some people are being told, if you do this, you can save your marriage. If you do this, you can attract that man. If you do this, you can have a wife. If you do this, you can have the money. And we have... So many people go into many different spiritual practices to fix problems, but they don't realize they haven't really fixed the problem. They just created another one because yeah. they're just adding more to the pile. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. That's my message. Yeah, and that's great. If you are interested in working with Victoria, I really recommend, I mean, she's an incredibly talented healer who really gets results and has really dedicated her whole, uh, so much of her life and, and, and life, past lives to this. And so you can find her at the Soul Healing Tribe. I really recommend her for individual sessions and also really recommend this. So why I wanted to have this, this other podcast, really, just so that people know about her Awakening the Healer Within training program. Go and check out the testimonials and videos she's got from people who've done it. It's amazing and a great blessing if you're lucky enough to hear Victoria's words and to connect with her. You know, it's a blessing for you. So, yeah, so thank you so much, Victoria, for blessing us with your time. Thank you so much for all the work that you do and all the great things you've done over many lives on this lives you're so cool <laughs> that was funny <laughs> yeah. cool. thank you the links to all of her uh, socials and websites will be uh will be in the description box so yeah so thank you very much victoria thank you it was a pleasure thanks for listening or watching if you're interested in having personal sessions or certification training in hypnosis or hypnotherapy or regression to this life, past lives, between lives or spirit releasement therapy, then visit my website, thepastlifeawakeninginstitute.com for details. 
thanks so much for watching or listening and see you next time